That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. All right, January's over for preaching. We're now into February, so first month doesn't count. You were just sort of getting back after the exhaustion of December. Now uh, February is... Uh, it's time to time to really preach, Jake. But before we get into these passages, mm-hmm. as we continue through the season of Epiphany, how are you? I'm great. I have a really funny story about uh, my sermon last week, if I might share do tell. it. Oh, so I, I know it was, where you're uh, going. Yeah, you do? Okay. So. so, But it was a couple of, um, well, by now, it was a couple of weeks ago. It was for the, um, uh, what is it, the, uh, the third Sunday after Epiphany. And uh, it was the one where, um, uh, excuse me, it was the fourth Sunday of Epiphany. Those who sat in darkness, excuse me, have seen a great light. You know, Jesus, no, it was the third Sunday of Epiphany. Sorry, going back in time. It was the third Sunday of Epiphany (laughs) where Jesus goes up to uh, uh, Galilee of the nations, you know. And uh, anyway, I preached um, and I said, you know, this is good news because... What it tells you, Jesus has not just come for the circumcised, pious Jew, but the uncircumcised, unpious Gentile, like myself. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, I was greeting everybody in the line after his service, and this man comes up to me and says, Excuse me, Reverend, I thought you overshared a little bit today in your sermon. And... Um, uh, you know, but I had preached a big sermon, and so it didn't connect. And then I was like, "Excuse me, what do you mean?" And he was like, "Well, are you sharing about how the fact that you're not circumcised?" And <laughs> and then the person ahead turned around and says, uh, "He was talking about his heart from Romans, and you know, the the uncircumcised heart." And the man goes. Oh, oh! Well, you may want to clarify that with some people, because I thought you were talking about something else. <laughs> anyway, we all just started laughing. Uh, Praise the Lord! So, you, the, the point is, the point is, is that when you're preaching, uh, you're going to preach and you're going to say some things, and you're going to think it means one thing, and your congregation may hear something completely different. But nonetheless. Uh, the word goes forth. And so one person understood that I was speaking of the heart. <laughs> no, it is true. Like. A lot of times we think people know religious uh, language and imagery and metaphor, mm-hmm. and they don't. The next, uh, the next, uh, the next Sunday, this Sunday, um, our Sunday school is completely empty because people didn't want, you know, kids exposed to be talking about. Yeah, that's right. Kidding. But anyway, don't even, don't I thought that exposed. was a really funny if story. You, uh, if you... Um, you should be careful if that guy comes back or other similarly, literally minded people uh, don't uh, ever have them read the book of Galatians because they might take that a little too. There's a chopping it off uh, thing going on. Uh-huh. There. Anyways, well, let's get this back to the family friendly content that our listeners have come to expect. They deserve and continue uh, with this fifth Sunday after Epiphany. Uh, we got the Old Testament reading, Isaiah 58 verse 1 through verse 9, 
A, mm-hmm. don't you dare go to B. Mm-hmm. But if you want to, 9B through verse 12 is concluded included in brackets. So if you want your services to be even longer than they already are, feel free to add those verses. Then uh, we'll move into St. Paul writing to the church in Corinth as we continue this little time in the Corinthian correspondence. First Corinthians 2, 1 through 12. And then in brackets, you can add 13 through 16 if you want your service to be even longer. And then the gospel, Matthew 5, verses 13 through 20. This is brilliant. That's my annual meeting Sunday. That's my annual meeting Sunday. I think I'm going to have the longest readings in place so that everybody's (laughs) going to want to get out by the time it's all over. So, um, just kidding. Is that so they go to the annual meeting? (laughs) No, they leave. they don't go to the annual meeting? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's a slam dunk. I okay. just hear, yeah, anyway. Well, if you're we'll not an Episcopalian, there. there's an annual parish meeting. happens every year, usually January, but some people like Jake do it in February where you vote for your kind of lay board and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Lay board, uh, mm. the vestry, as it's known. All right, so Isaiah 58. Uh, mm. Shout, it begins, uh, like tears for fears. Uh, mm. Don't hold back. <laughs> Lift your voice like a trumpet. Don't hold back, like the Chemical right. Brothers. There you go. It's all. It's all just a big mashup. So... This is a famous passage that uh, people like to talk about because um, it has some beautiful words about God not caring about actual literal fasting or religious activities as much as God cares about uh, justice. And Mm. so it says, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke? Watch out for your literal uh, parishioner there, Jake, (laughs) when you say thongs. Uh, or let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke and that you should share your bread with the hungry. This is what the Lord wants, that, that you take care of the homeless, feed the hungry, uh, clothe the naked, and then your light should break forth like the dawn and all this sort of stuff. So big justice passage, which is great, and people talk about it this way. Um, and it does talk about God uh, wanting, caring more about... Uh, how you act in the world for people that have not gotten a fair shake mm-hmm. than caring about how pious you are in your very particular religious observance. Mm-hmm. But how do you make this just not be the law, Jake? Just go out there and try harder to be better. Yeah, that's a, well, it's really good and it kind of ties into last week, but you're absolutely right. You want to clarify uh, what are the thongs of the yoke so no one confuses that with Cisco. And uh, the thongs of anyway, I'll stop. Anyway, but uh, um, that was killer. You know, it's interesting, really, to understand uh, the second the second section is not this the fast that I choose. Um, you have to go back and really um, interpret and study the first section, and this is the shout: "Do not hold back," uh, because uh, we hear the complaint of Israel to the prophet and to God. Um, they say, uh, you know. Um, Uh, Why do we fast, but you do not see? Why humble ourselves, but you do not notice? Look, you serve your own interests on your fast day and oppress all your workers. That's the prophet's response. But this is the thing, is that um, the people of Israel, and if, you know, and if everything you're doing is about justice first as opposed to the gospel, and justice being a fruit of the gospel, then you are actually responding the same way that Israel's responding to God here, and that is a response of quid pro quo. So the complaint that Israel's making here is that, God, uh, we've done all of this stuff for you, and you don't even know notice, you know, and uh, you don't notice, you don't do anything. And the problem here is that they have put God in their debt. 
And uh, here is the thing. You owe that, me. Yes, and that God will be in no one's debt. Uh, it is not a quid pro quo uh, uh, relationship. And he's like, I'm God, you're the creature. I'm God, you're the creature. And uh, what they have done is they have ignored that. And so and so he calls them out on the, you know, the outside in or the inside out. He's like, you're fasting, but you oppress your workers. You do all of this terrible stuff. And, you know, you're, you, you are, I, I don't hear you is what he's, he's like, I hear you, but I don't hear you. And so, but this is the fast that I require, uh, that you uh, love justice, um, you know, that you loose the bonds of injustice and undo the thongs of the yoke. Um, that That's how we live in the world. But how do we live in the world? Well, it's what I talked about last week. Ultimately, this all boils down to the just shall live by faith. You see, when we're responding to God in a quid pro quo way, and even when we're responding to others in a quid pro quo way, which when justice is attached from the God, detached from the gospel, it becomes tyranny. Um, it, uh, what happens is, is that when we forget that the just shall live by faith, by faith in total reliance and dependence upon God, then uh, what happens is that we begin to think that we're God. And so when we're relating to God quid pro quo, who's actually God in this relationship? And uh, what this passage needs to be understood through is the lens that the just will live by faith, because that's the summation of the message of the prophets. And when we live by faith, we are free to be creatures again. And we're free to see our neighbor as creatures as well. And we're free to actually, because faith always comes about by grace uh, through God. And uh, we're free to uh, like actually serve our neighbor uh, with no strings attached. But this ultimately finds its uh, meaning in, in faith in Jesus Christ, in him willing to save us. That's right. And I think... You know, this passage begins uh, with pointing out the massive hypocrisy of people that are very observant religiously, mm -hmm. but they have these vast blind spots in their life where they are maybe very religious people, but they're the source of great suffering in the world because of paying unfair wages or you know, other things they do in their economic practices mm -hmm. that um, hurt people. So, so God is saying, no, actually, you should um, end predatory lending. You should tip all of your servers very generously because they're making peanuts. Uh, you should be an organ donor. You should do all these other things. I always want to tell people here who want to get more religious. I'm like, you know what you should do? Don't idle your car in the grocery store parking lot. If you want to like do something that actually has value in the world, just turn off your combustion engine while you're sitting there uh, and roll down your windows for a second or something like that. Like do something real, basically. And um, but as we know, even if you were to do all those things perfectly, because where does that end? Um, at some point, you realize you cannot do enough. And this is where you take it, as you say, kind of to the cross, like the the it's it's ultimately our righteousness has to be. A gift, and this is why um, uh, the, this passage kind of ends about the vindicator shall go before you, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Um, you cry for help, and the Lord says, here I am. This is God doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So so that's uh, that's Isaiah, uh, justice-y, gospel-y, and then we get to the epistle, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where Paul has... Uh, 
kind of uh, rebuked the Corinthian church about their factions and uh, all the issues within their community. And now he is um, uh, kind of talking about his own ministry because they have fallen prey like many churches then and now, uh, communities of Christians, to having these uh, factions and believing that some preachers and apostles are more lofty than others. And they begin forming teams and divisions and who's favorite and who's not and all this sort of stuff. And Paul is trying to redirect them back to the gospel. Mm. And, um, you know, it just it shows the, uh, the, the way people still, even in church, try to find some identity markers to make themselves look better than other people. And Paul says again and again, just pointing them back to who Jesus is and what Jesus mm-hmm. did. Um, a lot here. Uh, what would you add to this, Jake, or correct what I've said? No, I wouldn't correct anything. Um, I think that, um, yeah, what Paul is talking about is this wisdom, this, if you will, secret and hidden, which God decreed before the ages, which is the theology of the cross. And it operates um, uh, uh, by grace through faith, and it actually makes us creatures again. I'm like, really, I'm I'm hooked on this right now. I think when we're living not by faith, it's not that we're uh, um, living naturally. We're trying, when we're not living by faith, when we're trying to live on our own, we're trying to live supernaturally. And what uh, Paul's call here is, is to uh, rest in this message of the cross. Uh, And this is why rulers of this age don't understand it. This is why people hate it. This is why no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no heart has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Because when we read this, we think God is preparing us to like wear a super halo, get angel wings and like fly around with the sword and, you know, become supernatural. And that's not the case. What's happening here, actually, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor human heart conceived, is that he actually, um, faith makes us creatures again. And uh, this is what it's all about, is that it's foolishness to be a total dependent human being living by faith in God giving you absolutely everything. It is, but it is the wisdom of God that makes us actually truly creaturely and truly human to rest in this insane thing that uh, comes in uh, not with demonstrations of power, but uh, demonstrations of the Spirit and of power. Um, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Human wisdom says, I'm going to try and do it myself. The power of God says, uh, let me take care of you. <laughs> Be a creature. Yeah, I, Live in yeah, my creation think, and let me give it back to you. I always think about the Wizard of Oz and how it's such a perfect depiction of what most human beings are doing in terms of the actual character of the Wizard of Oz as portrayed in the 1930s era film, uh, where you have... Um, based on the book by L. Frank Baum, you have this powerful looking screen or face projected on a screen with the smoke and the lights and all that sort of stuff. I'm the great and powerful Oz. But then it turns out it's just like this little salesman from Ohio or something behind a curtain operating a machine. Mm. And um, he's just a little tiny, insecure, normal human being. But projecting to the world like he's this big powerful thing and so what the gospel does because every one of us does that wake up in the morning we put on our great and powerful laws like i'm gonna make it and i've got it together and i'm fine 
and but we're mostly faking it. And when the gospel comes in and says you are loved and accepted as you are, and your sins are forgiven, you don't have to put that big mask on every day. You don't have to pretend like you're something you're not. You can, as Jake said, you can just rest mm-hmm. in who you are. You don't have to try to be this sad God. You can just be a happy, beloved human being. And so a, a creature, as it were. And this, uh, this word here, you know, I was just reading something recently. Uh, uh, I think it was, was it the Pope or was it some, uh, it was some Catholic person talking to clergy saying, uh, some bishop, I think, saying, um, you know, just say one thing in your sermon. The sermons are terrible. Just, just say one simple thing. And if you were going to say, this is what Paul does here. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I don't like to use always statements. I don't like to make ultimatums. But I do sort of think that if your sermon, if somebody could walk away from your sermon without the understanding that Jesus Christ died for their sins and rose again from the dead, I mean, even if it's an oblique reference, it is so central to the Christian faith. If, um, if you could... Uh, if that's not preached, I, I kind of get a little worried sometimes. Mm. Uh, take that loosely, you know, preachers. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to, to, to shoehorn um, the Romans road at the end of every sermon or something like that. Mm. But but Paul here says, I decided on nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I mean, the idea that God is man and that God died and <laughs> rose again, that's kind of the headline. And if that's mm-hmm. not in there somewhere... Um, I don't know. I get a little, yeah. or not in there frequently. I'll say, I'll say you know, that. So, yeah. I mean, you think about it. I mean, how powerful that that actually is. And you know, so often the sermon is about everything but that. It's about mm-hmm. you know, twenty ways to to be a better financial you. You know, you, we've seen those ridiculous sermons where they usher in like um a heart-shaped bed onto the, you know, their stage or whatever in their sanctatorium, and they're going to have a five-week series on sex, better sex. And, um, you know, and in the mainline world, it's all about, you know, um, how to do it and how to, like, you know, uh, you know, be to really, you know, do justice and, you know, and uh, all of these things, the second part of Isaiah's prophecy and uh, with the New York Times in one hand and, you uh, you know, um, the Washington Post and the other or something like that. And so, and, and, you know, would, wouldn't it be amazing? And, and the sermons, or they're just like, you know, football analogies and, you know, great sport pep talks. Hey, everybody get it, you know, try a little harder. Like the, you know, remember Jesus loves the Jets. <laughs> and so, you know, and just, you know, cause Jesus loves losers too. <laughs> but anyway, but, but could you imagine, could you imagine what would happen if like we got our sermon so narrow, so focused on this, just like St. Paul says, for I decided to know nothing among you. You know, this is so hot, the ambulance has got to come by. But, uh, you know, know nothing else among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I mean, that is amazing. Not for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and your finances or any other thing. But nothing amongst you but Jesus Christ and crucified. If our sermons became that narrow, that people would know that they are known more than they could possibly know themselves, and they are loved and have been died for and forgiven, and uh, where Christ is, they will be raised as well. I mean, that just, gosh, people might actually start coming back to church. Mm. Yeah, and make sure people know that it's real and it's for them. Mm. Uh, It's not just an abstract out there truth. All right. So having uh, 
taken care of St. Paul, we move on to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. And this is Jesus kind of getting through the Sermon on the Mount, and he's gone through the Beatitudes, and now he's telling these people, these uh, mostly uh, blue-collar Galilean worker types and mm-hmm. um, his fellow brothers and sisters and the people of Israel. He's saying, you're the salt of the earth, um, you're the light of the world, um, and uh, uh, and then he talks about the law and the prophets. These are sort of three different individual thoughts. The first two are sort of about who you are um, as a as a child of God. Uh, this idea of saltiness. He doesn't explain what salt is or what the salt of the earth is. And it's mm-hmm. a little bit maybe opaque for some of your listeners. Um, the light on a hill, light of the world. It's a That's little right. bit clear. Like uh, you know, okay, so I'm here to to. So people talk about salt and light as being, you know, you add flavor, you help preserve. There's some people that think salt meant some kind of fertilizer that wasn't like table salt. It was some sort of chemical that was added. Uh, but here it seems <laughs> to be talking about food. There again, are all people, huge PhD theses on this. Trying to figure out what he means. But basically the idea is if you're salt, you got to yeah. stay salty. And if you're light, you got to let your light shine. Well, it's no, it's it's be who you are. This you be are the salt of the earth. Is. It's not you must become the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. I mean, by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, we are preserving the world with the message of the gospel and the truth that God has given us, and we are shining in a in a dark, dark world. This the point here is, is that what Jesus is saying is is become who you already are. Uh, Christianity is not about becoming something else. It's be who you already are. Uh, God has declared you in your baptism salt. God has declared you in your baptism. You're the light. Uh, So you are. And so quit trying to be uh, something otherworldly and be a little salty. And uh, be be light. Praise God because you are. This this doesn't mean be a fake and forced happy person so that you can win points for Jesus. Um, And I think, you know, there there was a a story in the New York Times a few weeks ago, and I hope it's okay if I talk about the New York Times, Jake. Um, That's all right. Will you allow it? Yeah, of course. This time, I'll give you a pass. So it talked about (laughs) some Christians that um, attempted to form friendships with some very powerful people in the government in order to influence uh some outcomes oh and uh it was uh, that's never happened yeah can you believe it (laughs) but it's um that's uh sort of exploitative there's some there's sort of using people this is not actually caring for people for being people and so this is not when you say be salt be light i've been in certain circles where they talk about this like almost like an evangelistic trick if yeah, you can be salty and be light, you know, be the cool person in the room, be the nice person in the room, you'll win people over. And I'm not saying don't be cool or don't be nice, but I'm just saying don't don't turn yourself into some sort of mechanism to trick people and don't think of people as 
objects that need to be tricked. Yeah, well, um, that's and that's but that's not living by faith. That's being other right. creaturely as opposed to being a creature. You right. know, I mean, to be salt of the earth means sometimes you cry with your friends. You yeah, know, when exactly. they go through crap, it's not like, hey, man, pick it up. It's going to be, you know, we're all in this together. This, yeah, this is it's not like, REM shiny, happy people. Like, no, world this is gives light. It helps people see what's reality. It's not. Yes. This doesn't say be always happy. Um, and the reality so, is, is yeah. we're resting on the we're resting on the everlasting arm, man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, That's right. we're That's in, right. we're in the mercy seat. So and, and this then comes to I mean I mean the next section that he talks about because uh, you know oftentimes when we're being a fraud uh, when we're being you know um, when we're being that fake salt or we're being that fake light well that's uh, because we haven't believed this next section do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets I've not I have come not to abolish but to fulfill you know, the thing is, is what he's saying here is um, uh, you're not going to fulfill the law and the prophets. I am. And, you know, that's that's my job. I'm not mm. coming to, like, bring a new religion. I'm not coming to um, uh, supersede a religion. I'm coming to fulfill one. And, uh, and this is because everything in the law and the prophets finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Yeah, and you can hear also here, th these may seem like disjointed thoughts, like salt, light, and then suddenly he says, don't think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. You're like, wait, was somebody thinking that? Why are you talking about this, Jesus? <laughs> but yes, people were thinking about that because he says, you are the salt, you are the yep. light, mm -hmm. which makes it sound like you're already okay. And he's talking to a bunch of people, some of whom maybe are good at keeping some parts of the law, some maybe not so much. So by already declaring them to be salt and light, it's almost like he's given them an A before they've taken a test. And so people are worried that he has abolished the law and the prophets. Like, what do you mean we don't have to get our act together? What do you mean we're already salt and light? And of Amen. course, this speech doesn't come out of nowhere. There's a whole context. Jesus has been in his ministry, and he likely said these things a lot. Kind of this is his stump speech that he gave all, as he traveled throughout Israel, um, Galilee, and even closer to Jerusalem. And he would have said these things, and while he was saying these things, he also would have been doing his ministry, which was to, he would catch people yep. in the middle of sin, and he Amen. and he wouldn't throw the handcuffs on them. He would forgive them and let them off the hook. And so, because of this, there's always these rumors and uh, allegations uh, following Jesus around that he is he's soft on crime. He's he doesn't uh, uphold the law with people. And so, so that's so that's the background. And then he shows up and says, "You're salt and light," and people are going to say, "Oh, see, he's saying they're already salt and light. He's, he's mm -hmm. doing what we said, which is he doesn't think the law matters." And he says, "No, it does matter. It matters way more than you think. Uh, so much so that I've come to fulfill it. Not one little p comma, semicolon, or parenthetical note will be struck from the law. It all matters. There's no grading on a curve whatsoever. There's no time off for good behavior." There's no um, minimum sentencing. That's it's right. Totally it's totally maximized do, in it everything. It is not do your best and God will do the rest. This is nope. the law to its highest pitch. Yep. But and that's then why he, he says, says that, yeah, go ahead. But then he says this ridiculous, oh, go ahead. Sorry about that. I no, I want you to, do you, you uh -huh. take you. But, so, well, I just, I'm saying, then why would he say, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, what what what's going on here? You know what I mean? Uh, because everybody there, so the scribes and the Pharisees, these were the small group leaders 
and, uh, you know, the members of the Chancel Guild and the Fat Flower Guild who run everything. Uh, this, these people were really, really doing it. You know what I mean? And he's like saying, actually, you see those folks? Um, uh, you gotta, you gotta do even better than them. Uh, he'll go on later to say, uh, at the end of chapter five, um, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, uh, quoting, uh, Moses after he's put it all not just on action, but intention. So how's that yeah. working for everybody? But ultimately with this passage and this entire chapter, uh, you know, uh, what we need, <laughs> what you and I need is something outside of ourselves. You know, what What Jesus is saying here is not try and be holier than thou, because who could do that? Rather, you need something greater to justify yourself. And Paul lays that out perfectly. And if you preach this particular gospel passage, uh, pull Paul from Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11 into this sermon, where Paul says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That is powerful. And what that does is all of you people who are thinking that religion is about a ladder and uh, you either climbing up it or uh, God coming down it, uh, it just removes the ladder out of the way totally. And it says, a God is a word that is silencing the law and the prophets because he fulfills it. And now he says, you are salt and it's true. And now he says, you are the light of the world and it's true. And this is why he speaks this, because everything I see in my life and everything these people were seeing said, I suck and I'm not doing it. And this is why he has to speak it until the resurrection from the dead, when this becomes a living and true reality for you, me, them. And we see our Lord face to face. And as the uh, Book of Common Prayer says, quoting Job, not as a stranger, but as a friend, where we'll hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Yeah, that's right. And he, he Jesus is, uh, in preaching the law here, he's He's, he's helping us to understand how, you know, if you want to climb the ladder, this is what it looks like. Yeah, Good luck. It's, it's impossible. Um, but that's why he says, I have come to fulfill the law. Um, because it can't be erased. It can't be uh, swept under the rug. It, it is what it is. Um, and, uh, and it's impossible, which is why we have someone who fulfills, fulfills the law for us. And so have your people leave church knowing, as Paul says, that Christ has been crucified for them. Uh, and that uh, Jesus has um, has he, he's taken the ladder. It, he's uh, he's done it all. He's fulfilled the law, and so you can you can rest in that and resting in that, knowing that Isaiah says your your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. And that comes from Jesus Amen. Christ. Well, that'll do it for the fifth Sunday after the Feast of Epiphany. As we uh, uh, continue this series, we'll look forward to. Talking to you next week and telling you, <laughs> telling you, well, not what to preach, what we would preach, and uh, and I hope and we're telling you what to preach. So, well, yeah, yeah, I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to say it. Okay. But, uh, Until anyway, next time, take it easy, folks. Lots of love. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away.
Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.